Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Richard Harris. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Truth and Liberty Live Call-In Show. I'm Richard Harris, and uh, just really um, happy to be with you today. I'm looking forward to our program today. I think it's going to be a really educational one and an insightful one for all of you today. I'm going to introduce our very special guest here in just a minute. But before I do that, uh, I just wanted to share some information with you guys about important stuff that's coming up here uh, at Andrew Womack Ministries and Truth and Liberty. Uh, tomorrow, December the 5th, Andrew Womack is going to be in Washington, D.C. He's going to be receiving an award, the George Washington Lifetime Christian Leadership Award, uh, and it's going to be presented to him by the National Association of Christian Lawmakers. Uh, and uh, also at this event, it's going to be held at the Museum of the Bible in Washington, and there's going to be several individuals there being honored. But uh, here's the one of the great things is the, the new Speaker of the United States House of Representatives, Congressman Mike Johnson, is going to be delivering the keynote address at the Museum of the Bible. So it's going to be really um, a great great occasion, a great event. Uh, you can watch the live stream of the award ceremony right here on truthandliberty.net. And uh, I believe that it starts at, uh, well, I don't have the start time in front of me right now, but check our website. I know that it's listed there. So it's tomorrow, December the 5th uh, from Washington, D.C. You can watch uh, the award ceremony as Speaker Mike Johnson gives remarks, Andrew receives the award and gives some remarks. I believe also some others are being recognized, including our wonderful good friend Bishop E.W. Jackson and Gene uh, Bailey as well from Flashpoint. So be sure to tune in and catch this important event tomorrow. Hey, coming up here at the ministry, uh, the heart of Christmas, uh, the, the annual dramatic performance of that amazing show is taking place December 8th, 9th and 10th here at Karis Bible College in Woodland Park. Uh, it's going to be uh, Friday at 7 p.m., Saturday at 2, and Sunday at 3. Uh, all of that information is available on the AWMI website at awmi.net, where you can purchase tickets and reserve your seating today. Seating is limited, so if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, you definitely want to do that. I tell you, that is an amazing show. Nothing better could you do to set the theme and the, and the mindset for this uh, season of the year when we celebrate Jesus Christ's birth. So I hope that you can make it out and see the heart of Christmas. Hey, I wanted to mention to all of our viewers today that if you haven't checked out the Truth and Liberty website, I encourage you to do that. Did you know we have a 24-7 news feed on our website? You can go to Truth and Liberty, find the news feed, and get caught up on all the news of the day from a, a Christian conservative perspective and not have to go anywhere else for it. Uh, also, uh, we have hundreds of resources available in our research center uh, to help you stand for truth in the public square. So take advantage of, today, of that today. Especially, we have a pastor's resource page where your pastor can find links to get educated on the Christian heritage of America, biblical worldview, how he can get his uh, the church educated in biblical citizenship and, uh, and these other things, and maybe start a culture impact team uh, to begin to take back your local communities. Um, all right, guys. Well, now we're, we're going to introduce our special guest today on Truth and Liberty. I'm really honored and excited to be able to uh, uh, share today with Walt Hire. Uh, Walt is a, uh, a senior fellow at Family Research Council 
Council. Uh, Walt has, has overcome uh, transgenderism in his own life, uh, having transitioned from male to female at the age of 42 after living half of his life uh, struggling from abuse that he suffered in his childhood. And now he's found his way back to healing and restoration as a man. He's married and is a, an accomplished author and public speaker uh, uh, sharing about regret and the tragic consequences suffered as a result of unnecessary gender change surgery. Walt, I'm so thankful that you've come on our program today. Thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on this great opportunity. Well, Walt, um, you are not just uh, some quiet guy sitting back and content uh, to live out the rest of your life. You are doing everything you possibly can to make a difference and to rescue people from this, um, if you don't mind me calling it that, a satanic ideology of transgenderism. Uh, share a little bit with our viewers, if you would, about what you're doing today. I know you've written several books and participated in some films and other things. Yeah, well, I'm co-writing a feature film um, with Ascend Pictures in California as one, one effort to get the word out and get people aware of what's really going on and uh, co-writing a book at FRC and uh, helping people every single day who write me about having gone through the hormonal and surgical process where they identified as a transgender person or they identified as having suffered from gender dysphoria. They found out they didn't have gender dysphoria and they weren't transgender, that it was some underlying comorbid disorder that really needed to be addressed that wasn't. And so we help people in terms of uh, looking back at what caused them to have the discord. We, we do not buy into the idea that they need to be affirmed in their confusion. We help them out of their confusion. That's what the Lord wants us to do. We know that you know, the Lord uh, made man and woman. There is no third sex. There is no, uh, you know, it all happens at conception, nine months before people are born. The idea that the people use this terminology, what gender were you assigned at birth? Well, you're, nobody's assigned their gender at birth. That was fixed and innate at the time of conception. So right. I reject the words, what gender were you assigned at birth? It was done long before they arrived. Yeah, we don't assign a gender. We look at the at how they come out and we say, well, that's obviously a boy or obviously a girl, right? It's not about assignment. It's about celebrating. It's about yeah. celebrating a girl, celebrating a boy, because that's all there is. That's all they're going to be. Amen. Amen to that. Well, Walt, uh, I want to um, just put up a slide real quick. We're going to come back to this later because I want to talk about resources that are available to people. But before we even do that, I just want people to get a sense for how prolific your work is in this area. Can we put the slide up now that shows the books that you've written and the films that you've already participated in? Uh, tell the folks what they're looking at here on this screen, would you? Yeah, they're looking at uh, some of the books that I've done. I've actually written seven books and I've been in 23 documentary films. This is just a, a small portion of them. Trans Life Survivors, uh, Gender Lies and Suicide, Paper Genders. All the, Many of these books are actually published in different languages around the world. And um, we've just been helping people, regardless of their language, regardless of their country, uh, find a way back to the Lord Jesus Christ for who designed and made their gender. Uh, so we look at everything, God's design and his image is where we need to live. Well, that's, a, that's amazing. Thank you for that, Walt. Now, 
I'd like to kind of just uh, begin a conversation with you now by going back into your life, Walt, and ask you to kind of tell everybody about your journey down this road. I understood that it actually began when you were a young boy and uh, you suffered some of abuse at the hands of your uh, relatives and family members. Can you tell us more about what happened to you? Yeah, uh, as a young person uh, living uh, on Figueroa, um, just off of Figueroa in, in Los Angeles, California, in the early 1940s, 1943, 1944, my, uh, my family was struggling, I think, a lot with the war that was going on. People's finances were really difficult. Um, if people remember there was rationing. There's all kinds of things happening back in the, the early days of the war. And so uh, my mom was stressed, and she turned to physically abusing me at times. Um, I think the physical abuse caused me to begin cross-dressing at her mother's house. My grandmother, her mother, started making me a purple chiffon dress. I started cross-dressing probably as a in an effort to try to deal with the emotion and the trauma of being physically abused. And after I wore the dress, then my dad sadly didn't quite know what to do. He's a good man. Both of them were good people. They, they just, like a lot of parents, make mistakes. And, and my dad began to physically abuse me, uh, trying to sort of shape and mold me into a man with a hardwood floor plank. And then his adopted uh, brother, my Uncle Fred, began to sexually uh, abuse me as well. So um, these things happen, and uh, there's a way out um, through proper psychotherapy and beginning to understand the effects of trauma on children, whether it's a divorce or a parent who's an alcoholic. Uh, everyone can find their way back from early childhood traumas. The, the terminology is called adverse childhood experience. They're called ACEs, and they've been studied for years. So, But here's what happens. Unfortunately, um, back then, people didn't pay much attention to psychotherapy. And by the time I was in my early teens, Christine Jorgensen made the headlines. And Christine Jorgensen was a, a soldier that went through the surgery in Germany, I believe, or Sweden somewhere, and changed. They called it a change of gender. And I thought, well, that must be who I am. Without having any other knowledge, I began to identify with Christine Jorgensen, and maybe that's who I was. Um, Christine Jorgensen, what I didn't know, was an alcoholic, a chain smoker, an unhealthy person that they had done the surgery to. So um, as I lived out my life, there was no opposing discussions about what was going on. Nobody came up and pushed back on Christine Jorgensen saying, you can't change your gender. You're just a man identifying as a woman. And so as I began to live out my life, um, I was never homosexual. The people I work with aren't homosexual. I never had same-sex attraction. It was just an issue of having been physically and sexually and emotionally abused as a child. And I, I didn't like who I was and wanted to become someone else. And so eventually I had a girlfriend. I ended up getting married and having two children. Um, I was still struggling every single day with what had occurred to me when I was a child. It's trauma, and that trauma lives with you. And I went to a gender therapist, and this is the place where things could have changed, but the gender therapist said you had gender dysphoria in 1981 and you need hormones and surgery. But the gender therapist, had he done a good job and wanted to help would have said, your childhood that you explained to me 
requires you to go through psychotherapy and not take hormones and not have any surgery until you've resolved your sexual abuse, your emotional abuse, and the psychological abuse. The cross-dressing was just uh, a, kind of a sidebar to what was happening. It wasn't about your gender. You had been physically and sexually abused. That's not gender dysphoria. It's trauma. And so uh, he didn't do that. And so I bought into the surgery because there was no other voice out there. And the results was I identified as Laura Jensen female for eight years until I began to study psychology at UC Santa Cruz and realized that uh, this whole thing about gender identity uh, issues and hormones and surgery was more quackery and medical malpractice than it was helping people. And so I opened a website, Sex Change Regret, which I've had thousands of people come to that website asking for help after they experienced the very same thing that I experienced. And that was regrettable outcomes after having undergone hormone therapy and, and totally unnecessary hormone uh, sex change surgery. And, the, and my doctor, Dr. Biber, had performed 5,000 of those surgeries. Wow. I actually took him to court to get my birth record changed back to Walt Higher Male. I took him to court and asked him to plead to the court and tell the court if hormones and surgery can actually change somebody's gender. And he testified in paper that's logged in at uh, California Superior Court, San Mateo, July 1990, saying hormones and surgery has never changed anybody's gender. It didn't change mine, that your inner morphology can't be changed. Nobody transitions. Uh, your identity is, is fixed and innate. You can, you can look like you change your gender, but your gender sex is immutable and unchangeable. That is documented. It's not me just saying it. The surgeon and the person who approved me for surgery, Dr. Walker, who wrote the standards of care that are in existence today. Dr. Paul Walker was the author of the standards that exist today, co-authored that document at Superior Court in San Mateo, stating that my gender wasn't changed with hormones and surgery. Fact is, nobody's gender's changed with hormones and surgery. All so you're doing Walt, is- So Walt, you, you went most of your, or half your adult life, struggling with the trauma from your childhood, and then finally, trying to get help, someone, uh, the, the, the medical and psychological professionals told you you needed to get gender reassignment surgery or whatever they called it back in the 80s. You, you had this so-called sex change, but your point is that your sex didn't change, your gender didn't change. It was just surgical mutilation of the outward appearance of your body. Is that basically what you're saying? I'm saying it's just cosmetic. It's not cosmetic, biological. Yeah. There's nothing biological, it's totally cosmetic. It's uh, a complete folly to think that you've changed your gender. Uh, yeah. you're, dis you're dissociating from reality when you think you have. And so you lived uh, after the gender, what, are, what, what should we call that surgery? What do you call it? <laughs> uh, well, I call it learning, you know, that they're helping you identify as a transgender person. That They're not making you a transgender. All you're doing is identifying as a transgender person. Okay, so um, maybe we should call it sex masking or sex or gender masking surgery. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm struggling with this myself. This, you're right. Yeah. The words we use are super important, aren't they? 
They are, it, you know, and we need to actually begin to take the words back. We're using their terminology way too often. I'm on a war of words right now because there are no transgender, nobody transitions, and it's not about gender dysphoria. It's about mutilating people totally unnecessary because they've suffered from some issue that happened to them early in life or because they were addicted to alcohol or pornography or because they did it because they thought it would be fun and got on TikTok. But it has nothing to do with gender. So you had this, uh, you, you lived post-surgery for about eight years, I guess. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And, and what was that experience like for you? Well, I, I think there was a, a there was a few moments, you know, after the surgery that I thought maybe I'd struggled all this time with the abuse and stuff, that maybe it was going to help. But I think what anyone who goes through this, if they're being rigorously honest about it, uh, is they realize they've made a big mistake. And I realized probably soon after that, that it was a big mistake. But then you begin to wonder, how do I live through this mistake? What do I do with this mistake? And so the first thing I did was uh, I, I had been drinking way too much prior to the surgery. I stopped drinking. I got sober. I went into recovery. And so when I then I started attending uh, after attending 12 step program, I started attending church. I started working through even though I was attending church as Laura Jensen, I was beginning to uh, want to get my life back. Now, how did I do that? I studied psychology at UC Santa Cruz and began to understand that people who suffer these things suffer a lot of different traumatic events, like one study that I read where a, a boy began, quote, identifying as a transgender because his mother had died. Well, when you look at the terminology they used, and this was years ago, he was suffering from what they call separation anxiety. He took on his mother's identity in an effort to keep his mother alive, not because he wanted to be transgender. He was just trying, to, that was his way of keeping his mother alive was to take on his identity. They called it separation anxiety in the study. So I began to see then that there are so many things, the depth of depravity that these people suffered they're trying to make something out of nothing, and we need to provide for them access to real good psychotherapy and the Lord Jesus Christ who can get them out of this mess and realize they never changed. That's the key thing. Nobody mm. ever changes their gender. And so, so you, you began to awaken to this reality. Tell us how uh, you found the Lord and how did you get saved and what was uh, what was your experience with, with the Lord like? Well, I was working uh, for those people in the audience who know what Four Step of Alcoholics Anonymous is. It's a long process. I was working with a Christian psychologist um, in his office in Pleasanton, California, and we were going through all the things that we just talked about, being sexually abused, emotionally abused, and, and going through a process of my forgiving them and for not holding them blame and, and no resentments and just sort of, you know, I call it getting the junk out of the trunk and giving it to Jesus and not holding on to anything. And so that process took a, over two hours to go through each one of these things because by now I'm almost 50, I'm 50 years old. So um, during that time, as we kind of, I had written everything down on a piece of paper and he said, well, what we need to do is go outside in the parking lot and take that paper that you had and light it on fire and let it burn up because you wrote everything down that you were struggling with through your, throughout your life. 
and watch it burn up. So we went outside and he put a match to those several papers, a yellow line paper and let them burn. And they just took off and went away. And it was very cathartic. And he says, well, let's, let's go back now and pray about the time we've had. And so we went back to his office and, and began to pray. And during that time of prayer, there was a, a time when he was the only one speaking and I couldn't hear him anymore. And, and at that point, I saw the Lord Jesus Christ, who was coming for me with his hands stretched out. And I looked in front of me and there was a little baby in front of me. And I looked at the baby and I said, that baby's actually me. The Lord is actually coming for me as a baby to redeem and restore my life. And he picked that baby up and held it in his arms and turned to me and said, you are now safe with me forever. And he disappeared. I realized at that moment, by me admitting all of my faults, forgiving everybody in my life who'd harmed me, and getting sober, the Lord came to redeem my life so that I would sit like this today and share the power and grace of Jesus Christ when you turn your life over to him and no longer live a life filled with sin or some ideology that a Marxist or somebody else has developed and put out there as, as fact when it's not. And so now I'm speaking out and I've been saving lives for the last 15 years and I'm going to continue to do it until the Lord takes me home. Wow, that's just absolutely fantastic. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're watching the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I'm Richard Harrison. My guest today is Walt Heyer. And uh, we're just discussing Walt's life and journey and how the Lord saved him. And uh, I just want to encourage you today, if you're watching and you need prayer, uh, we have, Andrew has an entire uh, massive room, uh, his call center, filled with trained, uh, Word of God trained, Spirit-filled prayer ministers who would love to pray with you today and counsel you with God's Word. Uh, just feel free to call in at 719-635-1111. Someone's standing by right now to take your call. And uh, um, uh, Walt, that's an amazing, amazing testimony. Uh, uh, really, really incredible. I'm curious, um, <clears throat> uh, from your experience though today, um, it seems like that our whole society is is falling under the deception here about this issue. Even Christians are using terminology that doesn't align with the Bible, but aligns with this um, satanic uh, ideology. Um, you, you made an important point that you know we're uh, from conception we are either male or female. Uh, the Bible says that God made them male and female, and it says that He blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Um, and uh, we're just l so used to living by outward appearance that we think, well, if you can change the appearance, then you must be a man or you must be switching your gender, but that's not true. Right. You can masquerade. I mean, you, you see people in movies all the time um, acting out in a different identity. And that's all this whole thing is. And keep in mind that uh, there were people back in 1973 who coined the term uh, gender dysphoria, not because people had gender dysphoria, it's because they wanted to make themselves known. And they've continued on using this terminology. In 2013, they actually put it in the diagnostic manual, not gender dysphoria, not because it was going to help people with their uh, therapy, but because they didn't want people to feel 
badly about having a disorder. They still had a disorder, but they just didn't want them to feel badly about it. So we're going to use the word gender dysphoria instead of a disorder, which it really is. And, and you see in therapy, when a clinician who's working with somebody who's dealing with a disorder, you're looking for something that caused them to have this disorder. What was the issue? When you use a word like dysphoria, which is very flimsy, it has no, in fact, if we want to be totally honest, and I do today, uh, if we want to be honest about it, gender dysphoria is a symptom of a disorder. Yeah, It itself right. is not a diagnosis. It's only a symptom that we need to look below and find out what is causing this symptom to occur. And But they have changed that whole thing into what they call a diagnosis. That's a lie. Well, folks, if you're watching today, this is Walt Heyer and Richard Harris. This is the live call-in show. And if you've got questions or comments for Walt, please call in. We would love to hear from you and have you join our conversation. The number is on the upper right-hand part of your screen, but it's 719-619-2341. You know, Walt, it seems like that um, getting to the root, talking about the causes of gender dysphoria, the so-called, um, is not allowed. Uh, it's not a conversation that's permitted in, um, in the culture or in mainstream media. Why, why do you think that is? Oh, that's a simple answer. I'm so glad you asked. Because if we find out what really happened, we'll find out we don't need hormones and we don't need surgery and all the gender clinics get closed. Hmm. Do you, th you think uh, the love of money has something to do with this? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, for every child that they get hooked on hormones, to the pharmaceutical company and somewhere between a hundred and three hundred thousand dollars income to them. Wow. Per person. Per person. And that's not even including the surgery, right? Not even including the surgery. It's a um, massive, you know, a big paycheck for all of these people who are jumping on it. I've been helping people for 15 years for free. If people, they think it's yeah. so good, then they should do it for free. Mm. Well, so your your surgery, we've got a couple minutes left in this segment, and I want to ask you, um, what was the trauma, just the medical experience, the physical experience of the trans uh, sex reassignment surgery? I don't even know what to call it anymore. Yeah, but, well, uh, yeah, let yeah. me help you out with that. Okay. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of men who have testicular cancer, and they use the same surgery on them to help them not die from their cancer. So this, this procedure was originally developed for testicular cancer so people wouldn't die uh, in men. And so they remove these things in the body parts and these men who suffer from the cancers um, aren't women. And there's also cases where men have terrible car accidents, industrial accidents and lose their genitalia because of that. I want people to understand there's a lot of surgical procedures that go on in that area because of accidents that happen, because of cancers and, and other things that happen. Not one of those people ever identified as a woman. Uh, yeah. They had their surgery that helped them stay alive. Okay. Well, um, let's not talk anymore about traumatic accidents to the genit. I'm just kidding. Okay, so um, I understand that it's a it is a, a traumatic surgery, and what I really want to know is like um, your life after the surgery, before you trans so-called transitioned back. What was that like? Were you on all kinds of medication? Were you suffering side effects and so forth? 
Not really. I work for the federal government at FDIC. I work for the Postal Service. Um, I had uh, re reasonably good jobs. I lived in San Francisco. Um, I never had any relationship with anyone at any time during the eight years uh, that I identified as a transgender female. Mm -hmm. um, and that is kind of true for many of the people who go through the procedures. They become what we call asexual. They aren't interested in having relationships. They are just l trying to work out uh, the harm that had been caused them or the addiction or whatever it was that caused them to do this absolutely unnecessary procedure. Well, folks, uh, this has been a fascinating discussion and we're gonna continue it here after this break This that's coming up. It's gonna take about a minute and a half or so and we're gonna share some announcements with you and we'll be right back with Walt Heyer after this. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. You were created with a purpose. Written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love, to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Okay, everybody, we're back here on Truth and Liberty. I'm Richard Harris, and my guest today is Walt Heyer. Walt is a senior fellow at Family Research Council. Himself, you know, is a, if you will, a survivor, maybe that's the right term, of uh, attempted sex reassignment surgery, which he's just been explaining so articulately, really is not sex reassignment. Um, but, but in any case, we're here with Walt today discussing his experience, his journey, and the amazing things that he's discovered in this entire process. And Walt, I want to ask you, um, so eight years after your surgery, uh, during this time period, you know, the, this is like, uh, if, you, if you did nothing but watch liberal media, you would think this is the answer. This will help all of these people who are broken and hurting and confused. If you just let the doctors cut on them, then afterwards they're going to be happy. They're going to be fulfilled because that's who they really are anyway. Is that all a lie? Were you happy and fulfilled or, or, or did you eventually discover that this wasn't the answer? You know, I, I wasn't happy until the Lord came to redeem and restore my life. I had struggled until that moment when the Lord came for me. So I think uh, people who struggle with these things fall into this idea that they think that the uh, hormones and surgery are some kind of savior. The only savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the only thing that's gonna happen with hormones and surgery is it's self-destructive. Really, when you stop and think about it and have some critical thinking, the whole idea of identifying as a transgender is totally self-destructive 
destructive behavior. It starts by changing your name. You're destroying your name. Then you put things in your body that destroy your body. Then you assign someone to cut on your body to destroy your body. It's all about self-destruction. You're actually not becoming a transgender. You're just erasing who you really are to become someone who you can never be. Mm. Wow, there's the line right there. You're erasing who you are to become someone you can really never be. And uh, that's so true. It's really sort of a deception, isn't it? You're trying to make your body line up with uh, Satan's deception in your own mind and try to deceive the world. As yeah, well. well, I think many of the individuals who are sexually abused, were, um, they're struggling to get their, their identity back. And, mm -hmm. and they think that hormones and surgery are the way to do it, but it's not. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you need the Lord Jesus Christ and many, many people will need good trauma therapy, good psychotherapy and long term treatment to deal with the trauma or the issues they suffered from. Many of them are addicted to pornography. They're addicted to other things. So there's addictions to consider. There's things like body dysmorphia. Have you ever heard of the term autogynephilia? Probably none of the people in your audience have ever heard of that. Autogynephilia probably represents many of the men who you see in the news today who are identifying as women. Autogynephilia is a condition whereas a man puts on women's clothes and becomes um, the object of his own affection. Oh, it's, well, that's pretty twisted. Um, yeah, well, of course it is. And, and, and so they, they prefer to identify as a transgender when they're actually suffering from autogynephilia. And the swimmer, Leah Thomas, actually admitted that he was suffering from autogynephilia. It's not transgenderism. He admitted in one of his uh, social posts that he was autogynephilia. So many of, many of the men we see are not transgender. There's something else. We've been deceived. Uh, we've been, this is the big flim flam. And I'm hoping that somewhere along the line, the, the people of faith can begin to claw back the language and start honoring and glorifying God with God's language, with biblical language and God's design. This is not God's design. This is the LGBT's design. That is not God. They are mm -hmm. anti-God. They want to destroy men and women. Anybody who cuts on a woman, anybody who cuts on a man wants to destroy God's design. Let's be clear about that. Yeah, and, and you, you have unique authority here because you've been through it. Well, and while it sounds to me like that uh, this whole surgery thing and hormone replacement thing and everything about it is uh, we're, we're, there are people that are broken on the inside. They're broken in their minds and in their hearts and in their, yes. their feelings about themselves and they're hurting uh, for all this trauma that they've suffered. And, and the, the left wants to come along and say, we're gonna give you affirming care, but they're really not affirming their gender. They're helping them disaffirm their gender. Am I missing something here? No, they're actually destroying who they are. They, they yeah. take people who are, are really traumatized or ill or whatever the issue is, because we can't identify all of them in, in the half hour we have here. But the fact of the matter is they don't affirm a gender. If they were to, that's what God's job is. And that's what the Christian church should be doing is affirming people in the gender God the designed God for them to be. And, right. and the clinics, the gender clinics do the opposite. 
Yeah, they do the opposite. They help you destroy your God-given gender. And That's they exactly right. They affirm your psychosis. They affirm your delusions. They affirm your brokenness. And That's exactly right. All right. And, and so this surgery happens, but after that, you haven't been healed on the inside, so you continue to hurt and continue to be in pain and confused. And, and, and now we have all of these people who are undergoing this, and they're awakening to this reality. Some of them are trying to transition back, so to speak, like you, and uh, we're beginning to hear their stories. How many people in America that you just estimate, do we know how many are detransitioning now? We have no idea, but there's one site at Reddit, and it's called um, Reddit uh, r slash detrans. It has over 50,000 people on the site. Wow. There's one, one example. I have thousands that have contacted me over the last 15 years. And the, the opposition will say, people never regret this, it, or if they do, it's only like 1%. Well, the reason why they say that is there has never been an account of how many people detransition or have regret. There is no place to put the numbers. Mm. And, and uh, you have a website called sexchangeregret.com. Um, let's put that up there. I think you already mentioned it once before, but I was looking at this site over the weekend to get ready for today's show. And folks, I just want to tell you, there's a lot of information on this site. Many, many links, uh, many books, uh, many articles that Walt has written, that other people have written. Uh, and uh, it's a powerful resource. I encourage everybody to check that out. If you know someone that's struggling in this area or you just want to be better equipped on this subject, please go to sexchangeregret.com and uh, that will be a great place to begin your journey of learning about this. Well, Walt, we have a caller on the line that I'd like to um, uh, give an opportunity now to ask you a question. So Marsha is calling in from Washington. And uh, Marsha, thank you so much for calling. We really appreciate it. What's your question for for Walt Heyer today? Um, my question is, um, what is the, I'm just uh, uh, tuning in, um, what is the um, um, difference between gay and homosexual and drag queen and trans and gender? Um, Okay, uh, let me let are, me take a little the, stab at it. It's, it. You're talking about a big arena there, but let me let me clarify two things. Um, the uh, drag queen is, uh, as everyone knows, is very flamboyant, outward, overexpression of feminine things. They have big hairdos, big eyelashes. Everything is big and bodacious. Uh, they want people to know that they are out there and in your face. That is a drag queen. They are typically homosexual, not always, but typically homosexual. The transgenders, I can tell you that I've worked with over the last 15 years, people who've identified as transgender that contact me, over 90% of them are heterosexual men who suffered from some traumatic issue or suffered from an addiction or something that happened to them as a child. They are not homosexual. They're not, they don't deal with same-sex attraction. Uh, they're dealing with an identity issue that caused them to try to seek out some way to get their life back, which actually the surgery and hormones actually did more destruction than it did harm. Uh, those are the two basic um, things that go on there. Marcia, does that help you? Yeah, yes, it did. I, I, I'm wondering what happens when husbands turn. When, when, when husbands start identifying as a, a woman? 
have been in prison and had sexual experiences? Yeah, you know, um, I I don't I've never worked with one of them, so I don't know. I my guess is that um, the prison system develops a whole different set of issues that people have to deal with that I've never experienced or ever talked to anybody that's had. Yeah, well, Marcia, thank you for calling in today. We really appreciate your question. I encourage you to check out the websites uh, that we're talking about here on the show, and hopefully that will help you. Um, thank you so much for calling in. Well, Walt, um, uh, continuing on this subject, you know, uh, there's another, there's a website that's linked on your website that I also went to, and this one I wanted to share with people today, but it is called biologicalintegrity.com biologicalintegrity.com. And it looks like this site is maintained by the American College of Pediatricians. Why did you link people to this site? Well, because they're telling the truth. Um, because they, they are probably one of the only medical group that has got integrity on this subject. And um, I've been a part of that group. I've spoken at their conferences. Um, and so um, I love what they're doing and support what they're doing. And uh, can we put that on the screen, guys, biologicalintegrity.com. I want our viewers to be able to see that and, uh, and reference that if possible. Well, there's so much amazing data on that website. Uh, one of the things that I read there indicates that, um, uh, that ch uh, transgender uh, youth, so to speak, have on average suffered five traumas during their childhood. Um, and uh, that alone, if that was the only statistic we had, that would ought to tell us something, that this people are not born with this so-called dysphoria. This is a result of something bad happening to them as children. Yeah, and that's exactly what I said at the outset of the show. I was physically abused, emotionally. Cross-dressing is an abuse. Cross-dressing a boy in a dress is psychological and emotional child abuse. Any parent mm -hmm. who does that is abusing their child, period. And it yeah. shouldn't be done. And so, uh, you know, I, I had those same numbers, right? When I started, I had about five different abuses as a kid. So I fit exactly what they're saying. Well, it's interesting you say that's abuse because today um, left-wing politicians are telling us that it's abuse not to dress your boy like a girl or your girl like a boy if they tell you they feel like the opposite sex. Yeah, of course they do, because that's where their financial benefits come from. You know, there's a lot of money being handed around in the LGBT community and to people who uh, support this ideology. And um, it's false. The fact of the matter is we're abusing children. We're in a, we are abusing right now an entire generation of children. I don't know how long it's going to take to get them back, but we are we have institutionalized child abuse and made it something the LGBT loves to do. Well, you know, it strikes me we're, we're definitely doing what Isaiah prophesied when he said that uh, truth is fallen in the streets and the people are calling evil good and good evil. We, it's Absolutely. like we, Americans today can't even recognize what's right and wrong. Um, and this is why the church needs to stand up. We are the voice of the truth. Uh, God's truth in our culture. How are you finding it when you go and speak places? Are you getting uh, positive receptions or do you ever find controversy and protests and things like that? Um, I've found protests from time to time, but um, I don't pay any attention to it. Uh, I realize that they, 
they have their their wrong ideas and I have the right idea and I live the right life. And I know that they're hurting and that they're suffering. And I know that if we provide adequate psychotherapy and get them to understand what caused them, what caused them to have this discord, we can address that issue. We can resolve this dysphoria. It's not about gender. It's generalized dysphoria. It's much bigger than just gender. Well, there's another statistic that I wanted to share uh, from that biologicalintegrity.com site and the American College of Pediatricians, Walt, and it says there that 88% of uh, gender dysphoric girls, and I understand we've got concerns about terminology here, but 88% of gender dysphoric girls and 98% of gender dysphoric boys will desist, that means stop having those feelings if their biological integrity is affirmed. Yeah, that's right. And that's why I say it's childhood. That proves right there. It proves cross-dressing a boy or a girl is child abuse. Because if we leave them alone, they're going to be fine. We got to stop this nonsense of abusing children by telling them they're transgender or they're transitioning or they have gender dysphoria. It's nonsense. How how should moms and dads, um, pastors, youth pastors, youth leaders, teachers, how should they or how can they affirm children in their biological identity, even if those children are struggling? And even if children, you know, today they're, they're being transformed into LGBT militants, you know, yeah. even oh, if, yeah. they're, if they're aggressive or extremely opinionated and about, you know, asserting their rights and stuff like that, how can we affirm them in their biological gender? Well, we can start telling the truth and start explaining at the pulpit on slides, if necessary, how people are really made, and they're made in the womb, and and to show that, and to talk about it, and to and to talk about how it's completely biologically, scientifically, and medically, any way you look at it, impossible to unwind what happened in the womb when the sperm hits the egg, and that's what they should be teaching. People need to hear the truth. How many pastors have you heard talk about that from the pulpit and talk about? Talk about it from the standpoint of God's design. Mm-hmm. We need to use that terminology. God's design is not a gender clinic. Yeah, and and I think that's totally true, but I also want to um, talk about it from a personal perspective. Um, and, and the people that are actually suffering like you suffered, how should someone that you know cares about you or is close to you in your life, how, sh- how would you have liked them to communicate with you? Do, uh, I mean, how could they have helped you come out of that state of trauma uh, into a place of health and healing? Well, the way that I do it is I sit down with them because I wanted people to do that for me and say, no, you're not transgender, you're not gonna transition, you don't have gender dysphoria. But if we sit down and talk about what happened to you and find out what happened and address those early issues, that's love, trying mm-hmm. to actually find out what happened. Then if somebody would have done that, like I said, if the therapist would have done that and then said, well, you were traumatized as a child and we need a trauma therapist to help you. You mm-hmm. need to deal with the trauma that you suffered and the sexual abuse you suffered. That is not and, and they can actually say out loud, that is not gender dysphoria. That doesn't cause gender, causes dysphoria, but it doesn't cause gender dysphoria. It causes a much larger uh, bonus of issues around dysphoria, which affects everything in your life. So I think we just need to ask questions 
and push back on the idea that they're transgender. I don't affirm anybody. I'm sorry. No, you, you haven't changed. I've been there. I'm going to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. didn't change. Well, and, and the Lord came to you, Walt, when you were talking to your counselor and uh, appeared to you. And, um, you know, I just want to drive home that I think our maker, our creator is the one who made us the way we are. And he alone is the only one who can really affirm our biological uh, gender. The Bible says in Psalm 139 that I am fearfully and wonderfully made um, and that God formed me in my mother's, in, you know, in my inward parts and all of this. And um, how important is it that we, that we present that truth to people that God made you and he made you the way he wanted you to be and there's nothing wrong with you? Well, I, I think it's important. God has also let us go and do anything we want to do, doesn't he? I mean, yes, he does. If we if we want to go sin and tear up our life, he, he goes fine. But when you're ready to come back, I'm here. Right. And so what the what what happened that day was I sat down and admitted I was wrong. Mm -hmm. I sat down that day and forgave everybody in my life for everything they did. The surgeons, the doctors, the horn. It, it didn't matter. I I really trusted the Lord would work through my honesty. And, and when I confessed to him, I made a mistake in going to that surgeon to go in, to take in hormones. And then he prepared, I was preparing myself to be received by Jesus. And he accepted, I didn't know that's what was going to happen, hmm. but I cleaned everything up in my life and gave it over to Jesus. I wasn't holding on to anything that day. I gave it up. I gave it over to Jesus and he took me back. You know, uh, what, what strikes me, uh, Walt, is about your story is how important forgiveness is in your, in your transformation, in your salvation and healing. Uh, you know, um, if you look at the LGBT uh, activists and radicals and really homosexuals and gender, there's always this brokenness behind the veneer. Um, and mm -hmm. there seems to be a latent anger as well in many of people that are struggling. Not, and I know you weren't homosexual, but in, in this whole arena, there seems to be a latent anger. And um, do you think you could have found your healing if it weren't for uh, that fourth step in AA, the making amends, the forgiving those who've hurted you? I, I don't know, but I know that I needed that fourth step. And, and I know that, you know, people get angry because they were abused, because their parents or a relative or somebody else harmed them. Mm -hmm. They're angry. You, you have a right to be angry about being sexually, physically, or emotionally abused or even cross-dressed. You have a right to be angry. Mm -hmm. The problem is how do you uh, use that anger to bring new life to you? And, and that's you turn it over to Jesus and don't turn it towards somebody. You give it to Jesus on the altar, on your knees while you're praying. Mm, amen. Praise God. Well, um, you know, this the one other statistics I, I wanted people to hear today, Walt, was that studies show that people that go through the sex reassignment surgery or whatever we are going to call it, um, the fraudulent surgery. How's about that? People that go through the fraudulent surgery are 19 times more likely to commit suicide down the road than uh, than they other is that than they than the general population. So yeah. can you yeah, comment that's a Swed on that? Yeah, I can. It's a Swedish study and it's an accurate study because in Sweden, they actually, every single person goes to the government hospitals for their care. 
and they have studied it for over 30 years. That's not a short study. That's over 30 years. They came and, and looked at the data and found out that the people who underwent hormones and surgery in this nonsense about changing genders were 19 times more likely to be to die by suicide than those who didn't. So uh, the, the sisters, the people who struggle, the people who get there, who stop before they go to the hormones and surgery, uh, those are the ones we can help uh, quickly and help them understand that they can't change. So we want to prevent as many people as possible from taking mm -hmm. hormones and having surgeries. The destruction that's done to women who take male hormones is beyond compare. It is absolutely so devastating to them. And I've worked with several women. Um, their lives are basically destroyed by hormone therapy when taken over a long period of time. So uh, you don't need to change. It's okay to be, you know, I always say that it's, it's okay to be a feminine boy or a masculine woman. It's not okay to be cut up and shoved full of hormones. Um, you can work your way around your life if you have some feminine reactions or, or if you're a female who's more manly than many men are. Um, you know, we can work through that. But don't take hormones and don't do surgery and love Jesus in the process. Yeah. Well, God made, uh, he made male and female, but he didn't put male and female in a personality box, did he? Right? No, he I mean, didn't. There's a wide variety of personalities and characteristics, uh, you know, social, mental, emotional, that can manifest inside a woman or a man and that, that uh, we stereotype too much. Or a lot of people think, oh, I'm not manly enough or I'm not really womanly or feminine. And so uh, the, part of their brokenness gets reaffirmed through that distorted thinking. Do you, do you in your counseling, do you have to uh, help people with that thought process? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, but you know, in the in the area that I work in, keep in mind my my website, Sex Change Regret. So when the people contact me, they've already hit that button, that wall, where they realize they made a mistake, and they become very open about uh, wanting help. Uh, prior to that, people are kind of closed to wanting help. They the only thing that they want to do is get that diagnosis of gender dysphoria, and I sure wished the clinicians and the clinics would stop diagnosing people with gender dysphoria who've suffered from childhood trauma or who are hooked on um, drugs or uh, pornography especially or who are dealing with a social contagion. We really need to stop this and the church pastors really could do a huge service by beginning to address how men and women are made and start talking from the pulpit about God's design of man and woman family and what that really means. It says go out and make more people, right? Well, if you cut off somebody's genitalia or change their uh, reproductive system, those people are totally unable to reproduce children or give sperm that makes children. This is going to destroy the development of new people. You realize mm -hmm. where that whole thing, when it comes to it, so it's abortion in a different way. It's oh, an abortion. Wow. When you think about it, you're, you're, when you cut off somebody's genitals or keep them from being able to produce a baby, you're actually doing abortion 2.0 because they are never going to be able to produce children. Wow. That's an incredible statement. Walt, do you have any children? Yes. 
Um, two. Well, praise the Lord that you were able to, that you did that before your surgery, right? But these, right. these young people that they're cutting on today, once they have this surgery, they'll, they'll be sterile forever, right? That's right. That's part of it that can never be detransitioned back. Um, that's right. That's a tragedy, isn't it? Um, no, it's a huge tragedy. But so in America today, there are 20, I think the current status is there's 23 states that have passed legislation to restrict um, transgender medical treatment on minors, varying degrees of that. Uh, some yep. of them are all outright banned. Some of them are just, you know, conditions and things like that. But what's going on in the legislatures? I don't know if you're involved in the public policy debate or in the politics of this, but can you I comment on I test, that? I testify at those hearings. Okay. And in many states and have in many states. Um, yeah, there's more and more uh, states now that, because if uh, quickly uh, in the UK and other countries have already stopped doing this, Sweden, Denmark, Netherlands, many countries have stopped giving hormones and surgery to young people. And, and now what we're looking at from the United States is looking across the ocean and going, they're stopping it. And they're, they're, they give good reasons why they're stopping it. We need to stop it here. And, you know, if an adult wants to go through this process, um, you know, uh, that's a whole different issue. But we should not be destroying our this current generation of children with unnecessary hormones and surgery and telling them to identify as transgender. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, what some of these European nations, uh, what they're learning is that there's uh, irreversible harm and other side effects from this treatment and that it doesn't really help the people that it's intended to help. Uh, can you comment on some of the side effects too? I know you're not necessarily a physician, but you are extremely knowledgeable in this area. What are some of the side effects that people are experiencing? Yeah, well, it, it affects the brain, brain development. It affects the bones. The bones don't develop properly. It causes heart attacks. Uh, there is it, it ruins your endocrine system and many of the people suffer greatly after taking hormone blockers or cross-gender hormones. Well, all right, folks. Well, we're now up on our second break in the program. We've got about 10 seconds left here. My guest today is Walt Heyer, who's a senior fellow at Family Research Council and has personally walked the journey of transgenderism in his own life, having done, undergone sex reassignment surgery and now detransitioned. Uh, although we hate using these terms, we need to find better ones, Walt. We're going to take a 90-second break, and we'll be right back with our special guest after that. If you've got a question or comment for Walt, call in 719 We'd love to hear from you. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Are you in ministry and want to connect with other like-minded ministers? Andrew Womack founded the Association of Related Ministries International, or ARMY, to serve, equip, and empower you for success in your ministry through relationships, community, and resources. But just being a part of this, uh, being filled with the Word of God and with ARMY, and fellowshipping, knowing that I have other ministers with me, it is awesome. We have met such precious people through ARMY. Uh, there's people I know I can call when I'm in a jam. 
Ministers have a safe place to come. We can unify and unite for the kingdom. As an Army member, some of the benefits you'll enjoy are Bible teaching correspondence courses, regional advocates for personal support and ministry, regional events for networking, one-on-one -on -one ministry and encouragement, our monthly newsletter, and more. You don't have to do ministry alone. Join this growing network of dynamic and elite ministers from across the U.S. and around the world today. Okay, guys, we're back here on Truth and Liberty with Walt Heyer as my special guest. And uh, we're having a, just a really fascinating conversation, so enlightening, about uh, the satanic lie of transgenderism and how it's destroying human beings. Um, and uh, Walt has survived to tell about it. And he's got an amazing um, ministry, I'm going to call it, that he's performing to educate uh, the public and to help people out of this lie. Um, Walt, uh, let's talk now, if we can, sir, about some resources, because I know you've got a lot of them. I mentioned earlier um, your, the books that you've written, but let's put, put that slide uh, back up, if we could, guys, that has all of Walt's books, or most of them, I guess, and uh, some of those documentaries on it. Can we show that slide again? There we go, truly impressive. Um, but what are uh, these films that I see here? There's Transformed. Uh, can you tell us about these films? There's I Want My Sex Back, and then there's In His Image. Now, are there, are there differences here in these movies? Where can people find these, and what are they about? Yeah, um, those are some films I did a while back, and uh, the uh, In His Image actually uh, deals with the homosexual component of um, transgenderism. I speak to the non-homosexual component in that, but the vast majority of it is about the homosexual component of people who are looking for that. Transformed has several people, about 15 people talking about their own personal journey, some homosexual, some not. Um, and the other one um, is, uh, uh, what was the title? Because I forgot what it was, because I've done uh, 23 of them. Yeah, put that film, uh, that slide back up there, uh, Josh. There we go. I want my sex back. Yeah, that one was actually done by Russian television. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's got three people in that. Um, I'm not sure that it's up anymore because of the things that have happened with Russia. Uh, I want my sex back was um, had three people in it. Uh, one of them didn't detransition, but talked about the harm done. And then Billy and myself were the detransitioners. Both Billy and I talked about the Lord Jesus Christ and the third person who didn't detransition, uh, didn't talk about uh, his belief. It's a great uh, film. It had, I think the last I looked over 16 million views. Wow, that's fantastic. And and uh, uh, so you've, you've got your website, which is walthire.com. Then we've got Sex Change Regret. Uh, dot com, I think, and then uh, the other website that I mentioned. So um, that sounds like a wealth of, of resources for people who are interested in learning more about this uh, about this area. Now, um, can we talk some more, uh, Walt, about the ideology uh, issue here? As Christians are trying to stand up um, or concerned about what they're seeing and feeling, I'm sensing, I'm hearing here at Truth and Liberty that there's lots of frustration about this and kind of uh, confusion out there and believers really don't know how to fight this fight. Um, and I hear you uh, calling pastors to stand up and speak the truth. But what, what about if in churches and in places where there is no pastor who's speaking the truth and people want to get involved? Now, um, it seems to me that the left 
is one of the things that's making this tough is without our knowledge, I don't know how they do this, but without our knowledge, they have changed the definition of critical terms in this discussion. Yes. Can you yes. comment on that? Does gender really mean gender anymore? Sex, does it mean sex? Well, let's, let's go back to God's design. Gender and sex are in, interlinked. You know, they want to change it to like your appearance, that you can just change your appearance. Well, that, if we get honest about it, is that's your persona. It has mm -hmm. nothing to do with gender. Your persona is what you look like. And we know if, if you look at a movie, everybody in the movie has changed their persona. Certainly, you can do that with clothing. You can do that with makeup. You can, that's what they do with movies. This is changing your persona. So the fact of the matter is gender and sex are linked together biologically and who you are because you're either capable of producing sperm or giving birth to a baby. You were designed that way. And, you know, God designed man and woman so they'd come together and reproduce. And what they want to do is make that impossible to do. And I think any pastor who isn't speaking the truth the church needs to find a new pastor. I'm sorry, but we, this is a critical time that the last wall of hope against the destruction of our society is the church. There isn't mm. anybody else speaking out about it. Whether it's people on the, uh, in the Republican Party, many of them have fallen prey to the terminology and they're using the terminology. We need to claw back the terminology and use the truth. Uh, these are trans-identifying people. They're not transgender. And and I think it's critical for us to point that out. I don't mind telling people when I'm sitting with them whether they are... I, I One of the things they try to do is make sure that you don't upset anybody. Are you kidding me? They upset me every single day with their nonsense. So <laughs> I can upset them by telling the truth. And, and the fact of the matter is, today, the truth is offensive, is it not? And so... You know, they've they've turned truth, as you said earlier, what's up is down, what's in is out, men can be women, they can't. And we we as people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who honor and glorify Jesus Christ in everything we do, that's what we're supposed to do. That means we speak the language of Jesus, not the language of the LGBT or gender clinics. I don't care how much these left-wing politicians are getting in their back pocket from rich billionaires to push this ideology. And I'm sorry that the president of the United States appointed somebody in a uniform who's a man saying he's a woman and given him this platform, which he's been assigned actually by the president of the United States to make available hormones and surgery to children as young as eight years old. That was the agenda for putting that individual wow. into um, health and human services. Can you imagine placing somebody like that into health and human services? That's destruction in itself. Yeah, I know, I know who you're talking about. I'm forgetting his name, uh, his, his preferred name or whatever as a female. Um, do you recall what it was? No, uh, you, I'm actually, I think I've deliberately tried to forget because I, it is so painful. Yeah, and he puts see. a doctor in front of it, and then, yeah. So Rachel uh, Levine. Rachel Levine, that's it. Thank you. Yeah, Rachel yeah. Levine. Well, Rachel, Rachel Levine, we're praying for you today. Um, you know, they. If I'm understanding what they're doing, Walt, is they're saying that uh, gender is not real; that it's a construct. 
and that it's totally subjective. So you ought to be able to have your body match your own construct. Is that what they're saying? Something like that? Well, you know, let's step back and see the nonsense of this, okay? Yeah. Because they're saying you can be fluid gender, you can be this gender, you can be that gender, or you can be non-binary, no gender, right? But okay. these people go through all these different phases to become something that's binary. Yes, and to become something that's not real. <laughs> yeah. So, right? so the whole thing, the whole thing falls apart when they say they're non-binary, but their being non-binary is actually being binary. Yeah, right. So we're, uh, it's really incredible uh, the, the distortions that they've gone through. It seems like it's inherently contradictory to me. Um, and as you've said, they, they're denying God's design. So um, one thing, can I, uh, let me jump in here because I think the audience, if they picked up my book and a plug a book, because it's really a good book, Paper Genders. Mm -hmm. uh, Paper Genders goes through my experience with actually talking to the doctors who sort of invented this stuff. I actually spoke to them. I've spoke to them personally. And they cannot themselves argue in an intelligent way about uh, the issues that they were actually forcing upon me. And they had to admit that they that they had to admit that they couldn't change somebody's gender with this hormones and surgery. So this um, the, the thing is the biggest fraud in my lifetime. And Dr. Charles L. Illenfeld, who was at a clinic in 1979, who was an activist for the LGBT community at the time, uh, had worked with some 500 transgender men, helping them with hormone therapy, came out in 1979, and he stated to a bunch of clinicians in Tappan, New York in 79, that hormones was causing way too much unhappiness and too many suicides in 1979, and in 2004, the UK Guardian put out a report done. There was 100 studies done by the University um, of Birmingham in the UK who said after doing 100 studies from around the world, they came to the conclusions, and the title of their study was Sex Change Surgery is Ineffective, and in fact, people who go through the surgery are harmed to the point of suicide, two wow. studies that far apart. And now we have Sweden talking about you're 20 times, 19 times more likely to commit suicide after going through this. The evidence has been there since 1979. It came up again in 2004. It's here again with Sweden and we've got the evidence. And I don't know why people are so weak kneed and don't have a spine to stand up and talk about it. I'm an old man, 73 years old. 83 years old, my gosh, I just gave myself <laughs> a break. So here's the thing. We all need to get a spine about telling the truth and not be worried about offending people because as long as we don't offend them, they're gonna offend us every single day by totally transforming our churches, totally transforming our families and destroying an entire population of young people. It's gotta stop and we can stop it if we get a backbone. Well, amen to that. Amen to that. All right. Well, we've got a couple callers on the line. Walt, let's go to them now. I want to go to Laura from Florida who's calling in. Uh, hi, Laura. Thank you so much for calling. What's your question? Hi. Um, I've got a dilemma with Christmas coming up. The family gets together and there is a family member late 
20s who declares he's a transgender, trans person, and has given himself a new name. So Mm -hmm. is it better for me to use his given name, which I'm much more comfortable with, or his new preferred female name? Well, the first thing you do is love him. And the second thing you do, um, in my view, is you do um, what will send a message to him that you love him. And um, I don't tell people what names to use. I personally, when I am confronted with somebody like that, I don't use their preferred name. I don't use either name. I just talk to them. You know, you can talk to people without ever using their name. So uh, if you're uncomfortable with using their name, just don't use it. But I think it's important to love on people so they, uh, when they do find that they regret having done this, they have a person to go back to that they know loves them. Great, uh, great answer. Thank you, Walt. Thank you, Laura, for calling in. Hey, Laura, you might want to know that um, this show will be archived along with all Truth and Liberty programs, and you can feel free to share uh, this show and any of the resources we've talked about with your relative if they're open to it. Uh, And uh, we'll be praying for you, hope for uh, their transformation and salvation. Thank you for calling. Uh, all right. Next, I want to go to um, I want to go to Frank from Missouri. But before I we take Frank's call, uh, Walt, you mentioned just real offhand early part of the show. You referred to Marxism, and I think that's going to relate to this next question. Frank, you are on the air. What's your question for Walt Heyer today? Yes, sir. I, I've been listening pretty intently, and I, I appreciate what the brother just said about being 72 years old and having a spine. <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, you, we ought to be able to, we ought to be perking up here. I ain't never had no sex change, but I'll tell you what, uh, there, there's a war that's going on, and I want to get involved in it. That's why I'm on this broadcast. So, anyways, I want to ask you, uh, uh, uh do you think that uh, there is any connection between uh, LBGTQ and uh, uh, the, the critical race theory, or is there a connection between the two of those in, in, the, in the woke agenda? And really, is that wrecking the 13th Amendment? I ain't supposed to ask two questions. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Frank. Well, yeah, all this stuff is interlinked. They're, they're all the individuals who tout these things are trying to destroy what God has designed. That's the main thing that you can run run mm-hmm. anything through the grid of God's design. And if it doesn't fit, then it, you, you need to let go of it because uh, they, they have a whole different agenda and it has nothing to do with having God involved in family and uh, prayer and life. And so just run everything through the grid of God's design and you'll know what you're looking at. Well, that's a great way of doing it, isn't it? Because uh, whether it's abortion or uh, homosexuality or transgenderism or critical race theory that pits races one against the other and Marxism and all this, it's all designed to destroy and reject God's truth. And uh, that's, a, that's sure. amazing. Well, uh, thank you, Frank, for that question today. Um, and, and Walt, I think you might also know something about this next question that I have for you, which is, 
is wokeism, uh, trans ideology, all of this stuff, is it infiltrating the church? Do, uh, are we in danger here in America with uh, our churches being taken over with these lies? Yeah, absolutely. I've spoken to senior pastors where I wanted to go speak. Um, and they, are, they don't want me to speak because they said, I don't want to be called transphobic. Mm. So are you more worried about being transphobic or are you more worried about the destruction of God's design? That's my question to any pastor. Um, pastors certainly have a great responsibility to make sure that uh, they don't alienate the entire church so that they um, collapse uh, under the weight of comments. But if we continue to talk and reinforce God's design, the biblical design, of what a man and a woman is and speak from that point of view and address it as people. Keep in mind, these people who are suffering are suffering from something that happened to them. And many large churches like this one I was speaking to actually had like five therapists that they actually had uh, on staff that could actually help people. And if, as long as we're not gender affirming therapist and we're God affirming therapist, biblical affirming therapist, we can provide a pathway to healing through salvation and redemption. And that's what we're about. Amen. Well, so uh, I think we were, I think we were off air at the time we had this little talk, Walt, before the show began today, but you were saying something about um, that this problem has really become a social contagion. Can you comment on that, brother? What did you mean by that? Yeah, well, what we have really is um, people are following other people's um, ideas. And so the social contagion aspect is where we see a lot of young people identifying, you know, saying, I've got gender dysphoria or I'm transgender. None of them are transgender. None of them have gender dysphoria. If you look, and I would uh, ask every person who hears my voice today to look up the definition of a social contagion. It spreads just like COVID. Um, people get an idea and they follow this group. And so we have what's called group think. And so they fall prey because they want to be uh, in a group of people of like-minded people. And so they embrace this idea of, oh, I'm just going to identify as a transgender. Immediately, you've got instant friends, right? Uh, if you, yeah. like me, go against the grain, you have perhaps fewer friends. But the <laughs> fact of the matter is, uh, I'm telling the truth and they're not. So, um, I, I, you know, I'd much rather tell the truth and have people find their way back um, to reality because there's nothing real going on here. I mean, we've we've bought into all these things. Um, Barbie, the movie Barbie, you know, you, all these things, everything that we're doing today is a, uh, unreal. You know, the mm -hmm. idea of transgenderism, it's unreal. You can't become who you say you're going to become. And yet we're supposed to nod and affirm that idea. It's nonsense. Mm -hmm. It's insane, actually. Right. And so social contagion. Um, and now we've got this stuff being taught to our kids in our schools um, and, and children being groomed and recruited for the LGBT or transgenderism or whatever it is here in Colorado. We featured here on Truth and Liberty the, the story of Aaron Lee and her daughter who was 
um, recruited to so-called art class, uh, but it wasn't art class. It was, um, uh, I forget the name of the organization, but it was an LGBT club. And by the time mm -hmm. she left the room, she thought she was trans, came yeah. home and announced it to her family and went on an 18-month journey downward spiral that eventually ended in a suicide note. Uh, before her father could help her open her eyes and see the way back as she began to say, no, I don't really want to be a boy. And, um, but the school fought them the whole way and uh, would not release information to them, denied that they had done anything improper, but they had these activists on campus recruiting this 12-year-old girl into this lifestyle. Well, what's going, I mean, is this, how widespread is this in our schools today? Do you know anything about that? Yeah, the, the schools have become the LGBT juggernaut for pushing these agendas on children. I've worked with kids who've been uh, transitioned without their parents knowing it, told they're transgender. And um, I've worked with the parents, I've worked with the children. Schools right now, no good, healthy kid should be in a public school, in my view. And there's a lot of really good teachers out there that, that do good teaching. Sadly, there are too many schools today, and if you run into one who's giving them books about transgender, about homosexuality, about pornography and all that stuff, kids should not be in it. That is what we call an adverse childhood experience. It's altering the brains, destroying an entire generation. I can't emphasize enough how destructive this is. And every time I get an opportunity to speak like I am tonight, you know, if you see this going on, take your kid out of school. Don't let them be there. You know, you homeschool, have grandma help them, find another access, someplace where you know they're going to get an education, where they're not going to be indoctrinated. This is destructive. We know anything that happens to that child within the first 17 years of life alters the brain. Get wow. that. Alters the brain. The reason why it does is because the brain is not fully developed until 25 to 30. They know that. This is deliberate. This is absolutely their plan to destroy children, to destroy families, and destroy God's design. Make no mistake about it. Well, I want to share with our viewers that um, I actually wrote a blog a few weeks ago uh, called They're Coming for Our Children. And um, a few years back, the San Francisco Men's Choir sang a song where uh, they said, we're coming for your children. Um, and it, and there was a public outcry about it, and they tried to claim it was just a parody, but now we see that it actually was true, uh, that mm -hmm. this is their agenda. And I encourage everybody to read that blog because I refer to a whole lot of evidence over the last few years of uh, that this is from Disney to Target uh, to um, many other instances um, going on in our culture. So we've got a couple more callers on the line that I'd like to take, uh, Walt, as our show now is winding down to the last seven minutes. Let's go mm -hmm. to Linda from Illinois, who's calling in with a very interesting question. Okay. Hi, Linda. Hi. I was wanting to know, and this is kind of touchy, but can a trans person that's transferred into a female, can they be transferred back to a male? Well, they never were transferred to, to a female. Nobody ever changes gender. It never has happened. So uh, they didn't become a female, so they remained a male during the entire time they're identifying as a female. No one has ever in the history of mankind biologically, scientifically, or medically ever change their gender. It's never happened. It's not going to happen. It can't. So I think uh, what the callers, and, and I, I agree 100%, but 
like when you detransition, uh, what without being too graphic here, Walt, what happens to the individual, uh, well, to the changes that were made to the exterior of their body? Well, you you know you can go have surgeries and you can have a phalloplasty if you're a man and have something put back on that was taken off. You can have breast, if, if you're a female, you can have breast, but you can have these reconstructive cosmetic surgeries, but they're not functional. Mm. Yeah, they don't fake. function, they're fake. They're, they're faux, it's all this, the whole thing is faux, it's phony. So um, the fact, I, I, want, I want to drive home the point that the person who is identifying as a female who went through the surgery and hormones never became a female. Mm -hmm. It never happens. So, so by going back, I always say because um, you go back, you just re resumed being who you are. You may have some pieces missing, but you're still a man or you're still a woman. Nothing ever changed except yeah. your outward appearance. Your persona changed absolutely. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we've got another caller. Uh, this one is online too. I may have messed up the last time uh, as I referred to Linda. This one says it's also Linda from Michigan. So hopefully, we. I'm getting it right this time. Linda from Michigan, you're on the air. Yes. Hi. Thank you. I am from Michigan, and I have been researching um, school lunches for their health value and found that glyphosate levels have been for over a decade way higher than allowed. One thing about that, which relates, I think, maybe to this, and it's my question, um, it's an endocrine disruptor. Is it possible that a lot of this so-called gender confusion may have a chemical component? Um, and if so, have you heard anything about that and any action going forward on that? Thanks. Uh, there's been a lot of studies about plastic containers, about all kinds of things uh, causing um, these disruptions of the endocrine system. The only thing that I have seen, the only thing that I have seen and been able to document and verify is early childhood trauma, uh, indoctrination on the Internet and social contagion and uh, and autism. Autism is a huge factor. If a child is on the autism spectrum, they tend to glom on to these trans identities and they just can't seem to let go. And you need a specialist in autism to help them prevent them from going through hormones and surgery. So we've got autism, we've got sexual arousal disorders, we've got um, trauma, uh, but I've never, uh, you know, if, if it does occur because of things that are in foods, it's really a minuscule amount compared to the number of people who've been harmed by uh, families and other things. All right. Well, thank you, Linda, for your question today. Um, and I want to just remind our viewers to take advantage of Walt's resources. Uh, let's put his websites back up there. The first one you're going to see is walthire.com. And uh, I think you can probably find Walt's books on this website. Am I right about that, brother? And maybe some, Absolutely. Some, some of the articles you've written and that sort of thing. Yeah. If, if people want to get a hold of your stuff, is that the best place to go, walthire.com? That's one of the places they go to sexchangeregret.com and go to the bookstore and order books for Christmas. Get a lot of books and order books for Christmas. That's one of the ways that we keep our ministry going. So if you buy books, you're supporting our ministry. 
and it'll help people at the same time and get them educated as to what happens. Paper genders, trans life survivors, gender lies and suicide, a transgender's faith, four great books. Get them all together and patch, pack them up and, and send them off to people for Christmas. They'll love you for it. Uh, well, uh, one final question for you, sir. What are you doing with Family Research Council as a senior fellow now to help fight for the truth? Um, I'm, I'm co-authoring a book with Jennifer Bowens called God's Design of Man and Woman. Excellent. Well, I look forward to seeing that one in print. I'm sure it's going to be excellent. Everything FRC does is excellent. So uh, we're proud to know them and work with them. Well, Walt, thank you for coming on the show today. We really have enjoyed having you, sir. It's my pleasure, and thank you very much. I enjoyed it. All right. Well, I want to just end the broadcast by repeat by sharing some information with our viewers again today about Andrew's uh, receiving the uh, George Washington uh, Lifetime Leadership Award uh, from the National Association of Christian Lawmakers. That's going to be tomorrow night from Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. You can watch the, uh, the award ceremony here live on truthandliberty.net. I believe that it will uh, that will probably begin at 5 p.m. the live cast. So we'll have our show as planned from 3:30 to 5 o'clock, and then the live stream of that award ceremony will. We'll begin shortly after that. Alex McFarland will be hosting the show tomorrow and uh, be sure to stay on uh, to watch the ceremony as United States House of Representatives Speaker Mike Johnson delivers the keynote address. Andrew receives the Lifetime Leadership Award and our good friend Bishop E.W. Jackson and also Gene Bailey are recognized as well. It's going to be an amazing time uh, from Washington, D.C. and uh, we want to make sure that you don't miss out on that. And then also if you're not a subscriber to Truth and Liberty, why don't you sign up today? Just go to our website and hit the subscribe button, share your email address with us, and you're going to start getting our blogs and encouraging emails and informative announcements uh, and action alerts and all these other kinds of things that will help you uh, stand for truth in the public square today. And if you're not a member of Truth and Liberty, I want to invite you to uh, please become a member today. I tell you what, we're doing so much stuff here, uh, I can't keep up with it all. It's amazing. We are making a difference standing for Christ in the public square. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. And we're taking that literally here at Truth and Liberty and making a difference. If you want to see America turned around, why don't you uh, help me and help Andrew by becoming a Truth and Liberty member today. Just go to our donate page where you can sign up to make a recurring automatic contribution of $5 or more per month. If you do that, you'll become a Truth and Liberty member and we'll fight shoulder to shoulder together in this battle. God bless you. Thanks for watching today. We'll see you again next time on Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.